Glad you're here this morning. Well, I'm glad to be here this morning. There was a movie most of you are probably familiar with. It's an old one with uh, Sally Fields, Jerry Reed. What was that other unknown actor name? Burt Reynolds. But there was a theme song in that movie. And one of the lines in it I just wanted to share with you this morning. It says, I got a long ways to go, but a short time to get there. So, you need to hold on, strap in, don't run, because your life is getting ready to change. Your mindset is getting ready to change for the better. Now, you might already be good, but it's going to get better. You ever, you ever notice a baby, after they grow a little bit, they, they crawl, and it comes to this time where they have to decide, I have to, they want to walk. So they crawl, and they pull over to a coffee table or a glass table, and all the parents are praying real hard that they won't fall and knock a hole in their head. You know, the kids got it. It's the parents that's the problem sometimes. The kids are going to make it. They're going to walk. But they get up and they take a couple steps and they fall. Well, when they fall, what do they do? They get up again. And they try it again. Eventually, after trying it again and again and again and again, you know, and the parents taking pictures of it, calling grandma across the state, trying to get the exact moment, that first step or whatever, that kid over and over, again and again and again, now, I know some of you, some of you maybe, and some of your kids, you know, they went straight from the womb to walking. My kid never crawled. They just started walking right off the bat. I know some of you think that your kid come out of the womb as elite warriors, Navy SEAL team ready, never crawled, walking from the womb into the world. But for the rest of us, I don't know about you, but I crawled before I walked. It happens the same way sometimes in our Christian experience. My grandson Jack, when he first started soccer, he would practice the same kick, same footwork, over and over and over and over and over again. If I had a dollar for every time he said, Papa, look at this. Papa, watch this. I could retire, which sounds pretty good. My son Justin, when he was 14 years old, we bought him an electric guitar. How dumb could we have been? Why could it not have been a basic acoustic? But we bought him an electric guitar. He's 14 years old, never played a guitar. And he sat in his room, bedroom, right next to ours, and every night for months and months and months, he would play the same stupid, almost but not quite right tune keys on his guitar. 
And me and Steph would be laying there in bed going, oh my God, why did we get this? Why did we get this? And after months down the road, we was laying there in bed one night trying to go to sleep. And all of a sudden, Steph said, wow, that's music. That sounds good. How did he get to that? By practicing and doing it again and again and again. There is a persistence built in every one of us. It's God-given. It's a persistence in each one of us. Now in the South, we call this hard-headed. We got any hard-headed people in here? Those of you who are honest, those who aren't, are blind and hard-headed. Now let's look at Luke chapter 5, verse 1 through 5. I think they'll have that on the screen. I hope because I didn't bring my Bible this morning. One day as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the Word of God. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push out into the water. So he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Now go out where it is deeper and let your nets to catch some fish. Master, Simon replied, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. But if you say so, I'll let the works down, the nets down again. To to you, simply about this small five-letter word. I chose a five-letter word because I, in my own life I'm trying to stay away from the four-letter words. And I want to talk to you about this five-letter word called again. There we go. I put it in my notes for it to be big, but that's big enough. It's all y'all can handle. Again. Again. How many of you have ever just been trying to learn something, trying to do something, trying to overcome something, and you you know, it never happens right the first time. You know, my parents had to raise me, and they worked on me again and again and again, and God help them, it's still not sure how I turned out, but they did a whole lot better job on my two sisters because they run out of the agains on me, and then they finally got it right. But God works on us, and we grow by again in this whole concept of again. In Deuteronomy 28, 13, I want to show you something very quickly. They don't even have to put it up because I didn't tell them. And the Lord shall make thee the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. The Lord shall make you the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. Beneath. Now, as kids, we used to play a little game, or we had a contest, or see who was going to go first, or win something. We would flip the coin, and we would always say what? Heads you win, tails you lose. We didn't know that we was practicing scripture. We would always, we never said tails you win, heads you lose. 
I mean, anybody knows that's not the way you do it. Heads you win, tails you lose. The scripture says, he's made you the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. Beautiful thing, very important thing is when the kid, speaking of myself, would flip that corn, heads you win, tails you lose. If it landed on tails, what was the first thing you said? Let's do it again. Yeah. Yeah. You want to do it again until it come up to what you wanted. And you always knew that when you flip the coin, if you put the tails sticking up when you flip it, it's going to land on head. I mean, anybody, playground person knows that. You got to know how to do it again. And we have to learn the importance of the again things in our life. There is a head and tails to this small yet powerful word again. There's a good side to again, and there's a bad side to the word again. The book of Judges says that the children of Israel did evil again in the sight of the Lord. And they did evil again over and over and over again. That's the negative side. That's the tails side. That's the losing side. But it's the same word. They did it again and again. Yet God sent a deliverer, raised up a judge again and again and again. Now, God is a God of the again because he would raise up that deliverer. He would do it over. He raised up all of them. Gideon. The one, that's the one we usually preach on. Now, there's also a minimum of 15 times in the book of Ezekiel that says, Again, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying. <coughs> Again, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying. God speaks in multiples. One time, you don't get it done. No, it's again and again. How many of you ever had God tell you to pray for something and you prayed and it didn't happen? What do you do? Get mad at God? I wouldn't advise it. You pray again. You pray again. You say, well, in the end, it didn't happen the way I was praying. Maybe so. Sometimes maybe it does. But there's one thing, important thing you've got to remember. That in the process, sometimes the process is not the importance of the outcome. The process is what's really important. And that is you becoming faithful at doing the right thing again and again and again. Because if you do the right thing again and again and again, it becomes a habit. And when it becomes a habit, it then will become part of your personality. When it becomes part of your personality, it begins, becomes part of your nature. And where is God wanting us to get to in our lives? He wants us to have His nature. And His nature is given to us through the process of doing things right again and again and again. I don't keep track of my failures. I know them. I remember them. They scare the Hades out of me. Hello? They're always before my eyes. 
God wipes my sin away, but I still see them. And that keeps me in check. So I don't want to do that again. I want to do the right thing again. Now, let's just look at a little small word that applies to our life. Three, as a matter of fact. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 13. And now abideth faith, hope, and charity. These three, but the greatest of these is charity or love. The great, three great words. Look at the greatest one, love. Now I'm going to go through this pretty quickly. And this is where I need you to hold on. Because God wants to bring something to our church and to our community and to our lives that will absolutely turn everything around in the correct direction. We're already going in the right direction, but it will turn your life around the way you see things and the way God can use you in this life. Love. Remember the head and not the tail, above and not beneath? Love. You are living the love word above and not beneath. Are you above or beneath in that? We judge lifestyles. How many of you know you do that? You do that. Sometimes unconsciously, you will judge people's lifestyles. Right? People you disagree with, people that's not going to church, people in the world, we judge their lifestyles, their choice of the way they live. You say, but the Bible says, and it may, but love does not judge. Love doesn't judge. Yeah, but I got a scripture on Love does not judge. You're not the judge and jury. God is. He has called us to express himself to the world. And God only expresses himself through love. In every situation. Luke 15, 1 says that all the sinners and publicans gathered themselves around Jesus to hear what he had to say. Now, how many of you know the publicans and sinners are not going to hang around someone who's jumping down their throat? There was something about his speech. There was something about his tone. There was something about his demeanor that drew them. And if you truly love, You will not judge. Love does not condemn. Well, I don't like the lifestyle that person is living. Don't condemn them. But I got to tell them. I got to tell them it's wrong. You don't have to tell them anything. You love them. You love them. Yeah, but I'm going to be around that person and you build a relationship with them. You love them. You see them at the farmer's market. You see them here. You see them there. Give them a big hug. Not a time to whisper in their ear, get right with God. (coughs) Maybe we need to get right with God. Because if you're right with God, your love will build a bridge. And if they need help, they'll call you. They'll get in touch with you. You have an open door to minister to them when the time is right. There is therefore now no condemnation for those that are in Christ. We do not condemn people based on their lifestyle or their actions. 
We are to love them without measure at all times. And we don't need to put our finger or our preaching down their throat. We need to love them. If it was the love of God that saved the world, how can you expect to use something other than love to do something for Him? Right? If God used love to save the world, He used love to draw you in. Who are we to use some other method to try to get the kingdom's work done? You can prophesy all day. You can point in their face all day. Get right. The Ten Commandments. You can do all that all day. But if it is not of love, it is a sounding symbol. It's nothing. It's worthless. You have love in your heart. You have Jesus in your heart. But your love is on the tail side and not on the head side. You lose. Flip it again. Until it comes up heads. Flip it again. Until it comes up heads. We also judge spirituality. Anybody ever do that? Ooh, that, that person's spiritual. I was raised in that kind of thing, going to conventions. I mean, I'm, I'll be 60 years old in a couple of months. And ever since I was knee-high to a grasshopper, where really I was shorter, a whole lot shorter than that. <laughs> and uh, and still, still is. But ever since I was yay high, I've been to all those conventions. I've been to all those tent revivals. I played with my toys in the sawdust. I heard all the prophecies. I heard all that. I've seen the men run around the outside of the tent with the uh, ropes out there nailed to the stakes. And I've seen them with their eyes shut running around that thing and then ducking for each one, ducking for each one, ducking for each one. Everybody said, Woo! That's the Spirit of God. Until one day in the afternoon, I saw that same man out there stepping off the distance between each one of the uh, stakes. If you know where it's at, you can do it with your eyes shut. Hello? So I'm not doing away with, with the supernatural, I'm not doing away with a great move of God. What I'm saying is, we need to be careful and not judge by things by spirituality. How, we, how and where to pray. Do you know you can pray anywhere, anytime, any way, as many times as you want? I mean, Gehenna. Jesus prayed the same prayer three times in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he's the Son of God, never sinned, never did anything wrong. He had to pray the same prayer three times. My Lord, if the perfect Son of God and God Himself who died for the sins of the world and gave His salvation for me has to pray three times for one thing till He finally says, okay, Father, I'll do it. I'm not going to feel blooming bad when I have to pray it 300 times. We are sons of God. We are perfect in Him, but I'm still growing. I don't, well, growing in Christ, not growing. We judge spirituality, how the spirit moves. Oh, we sure had a good service. Spirit moved. We judge the Holy Spirit's personality. Do you know that the personality of the Holy Spirit is 100% and only and always will be the same personality of the Father? 
he expresses the Father. And if God is love, the Holy Spirit is love, right? Spirit does nothing. Jesus said the Spirit and Jesus, they don't do anything unless they hear from the Father. So the Spirit expresses the Father, which is love. True godly love never says never. Speaks, he never speaks condemnation to people. His love expands all levels of maturity. The second word is faith. If you had faith, you would be healed. If you had faith, you'd be rich. If you had faith, you'd have a better job. Everybody said, amen. If you had faith, you wouldn't even have a job and you could retire. If you had faith, you'd have a better car. You know what the best kind of car to have? I'll tell you right now. The very best, top of the line, and it is really the new kingdom car that God wants the body of Christ to buy and to get. Seriously, I'm going to prophesy. There is a kingdom car that God has personally reached down from heaven and ordained and said, I want every one of my followers to have this car. You know what it is? One that's paid for. If you can't afford it, get another one. I'm just saying, paid for. But it's not pretty. You want pretty? Life's not pretty all the time. It's not a status symbol. If you can get your stuff paid for, and you can live that way, you can do more for the kingdom of God. Faith, faith is for relationship. Faith is not to get this, to get that, to gain this, to gain that, or to build your treasure, to build your ministry, to build anything else. The first and foremost purpose of faith is for relationship. Purposes before and above all else. By grace are you saved through faith. Faith that doesn't honor relationship above what you see, touch, hear is a faith that needs a fresh again. And as we get ready to close, the third word is hope. Hope and faith are eternally connected. Faith is the evidence of things hoped for. Hope is built on Christ and His Word. Not jobs, money, cars, houses, prestige, or even honor. Hope is built on nothing less than Jesus Christ and His righteousness. If your love is on the tail end of expression, there is an again. If your faith is weaker than water, there is an again. If your hope is on the shaky ground, there is an again. 
Don't be the tails again. Be the heads. Be above. But today I want to ask you to check your again. Check your above. Are you where God wants you? Now how does this word again literally work in our life? Now Aaron's not here. She'll be here tomorrow, right? Okay. So you're going to be sitting there in her place. And you're already there. Here's how again works. You write a song, original, in your own words. You play it. Sucks. You write it again. You play it. Doesn't suck as bad. You write it again. And you finally agree with her that y'all going to write it together and pray about it again. Then you're going to write this song. And in the process of writing this song again and again and again until the Spirit of God says thumbs up, she's learning to play the guitar better and 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 better. Next thing you know, we got two young ladies in our church playing the guitar, writing their own original songs, getting them published, making money for that that's going to reach the world. That's how again is going to work in this church. Again, Amber, your whole family gone through hell and back. But in every situation, you always received and accepted someone speaking into your life. And you said, I'll give it a try again. And your whole life over the past two or three years has been one again after another. Again, 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 again. I'm tired of doing it again, again, again. Then every once in a while you sort of semi-backslide and do the wrong side of the agains. But then you tell you, oh, that don't work, that don't feel good. I'm going to do it right again, again, again. You're going to do it again, and this church is going to see God raise you up to a place where you're going to be the head and not the tail, and you're going to take people that was in your situation, and you're going to lead them and show them, pay the price again and again. Take instruction again and again, and you can end up better than you ever had it before. That's how again is manifested in a local church. You come to church again, again. Then you skip three Sundays. Then you come again. And I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm just telling you that's my schedule. So we're going to skip that subject because I'm not planning on changing. Because I have to work sometimes. And then how many of you ever stayed home just because you don't feel like it? You're not going to go to hell. I just want you to know. You're just not. You're going to be all right. But God will have somebody here. How many of you want to do the right thing and become an expert? You know, they say that if you do something for 10,000 hours, you become an expert. Now, I'm already in the expert in the negative again. If you want to know how to screw things up, you come see me. Okay? But I'm, I'm working on getting more hours built up on the good again. And see, the thing about again that you have to understand as I close is this. Again is not a sign 
of weakness or failure. Again is a word that God uses that produces stamina. You lift weights again and again, you're going to get stronger. Now, I read that in a book somewhere. You, you run one mile, then you can run two, then you run ten. I read that in a book somewhere, too. Because you can tell I don't lift weights and I don't run. But I heard it was, it was true. Anything you do over and over and over and over and over again, if it's the right thing, it's going to become a habit, and the habit is going to become part of your personality, part of your whole structure, and then God anoints it, and then next thing you know, you do it with your eyes shut. And that's what's going to happen in this church. We're going to have so many people, starting with you, that just come to church again. They refuse to leave again. They refuse to give up again. They refuse to listen to gossip again. I want us to come to church, and I want to jump and shout and have a good time. I also want to have times of worship when it's quiet and silent, and God can speak to your hearts. It's all kinds, up and down, over and over. It's no one kind, no one person. <coughs> it's the Spirit of God moving in the place. And as we keep coming again and again and again, New Life Church will be known in this community as a church where you can start over again. You can do it right again this time. And when they get here and they try and they fail, all these other little again sitting around here is going to help them and say, hey, let's do it right. I have totally went over my time limit. For that, I apologize. My next message will only be three minutes and 45 seconds long. Again. And if you believe that, I got you again. Now, we need to be excited about again. You really do. This message, again, this lifestyle, is why I'm standing here today. Two years ago, a little over two years ago, when my life totally fell apart. And I had to go and live on my own because I was stupid. Anybody in here ever been stupid? But if you cry out to God and start listening to his voice again and again and again, he will restore. And one day you'll wake up and you'll be straddling that, that line of decision and you look at all the agains that got you really screwed up, and then you look at a whole line of them, and then you look at the three or four agains that kept you alive, and you go, you know, I'm going to choose life. See, all we have to do is get people here. Preferably those who aren't saved. I mean, I mean if you've got friends and relatives that are saved, I mean, go ahead and bring them, it's all right. We're not going to, you know, kick you out or anything. But as they come in, our lifestyle of again is going to impart something to them. And we're going to see them born again. That's our goal, to be born again.
God bless you, Pastor.